Hello everyone, welcome to Bunker Mania Wrestling. I am Jeremy Graves, I am joined by my good buddy Tom Limbury. And today, the primary focus of things is going to be about AEW All in London predictions. But before we go any further, because quite frankly, this, this news has been breaking since we did our last podcast a couple of days ago, we do want to take a moment before we go any further to acknowledge the passing of not only Terry Funk, but also the shocking news late last night at the time we we're recording this of the fact that Bray Wyatt has also passed away. It, it, it's now I'm just, cards on the table, folks. If you want to just skip past what we're going to say probably about the next five, 10 minutes, there's chapter points in the description of the podcast. You can jump forward to the AEW predictions. We're going to be doing that regardless, but we wanted to acknowledge this because we felt it was the right thing to do. I'm going to be recording a separate video talking probably more specifically about Bray Wyatt's passing, so you can expect that over the course of the weekend. But Tom and I both just wanted to take a few moments just to at least acknowledge just just both of these news items, as it were. Just it, it it's really it, just quite frankly, it sucks. Like Terry Funk has had an amazing career. All the stuff you can read about online, everything he accomplished, everywhere he went, everything he did such an incredible force in the world of wrestling and what he meant to different generations of wrestling fan. I remember first seeing Terry Funk late 97, maybe in WWF kind of circa 98 when he was becoming chainsaw Charlie. Those are my earliest memories of seeing Terry Funk. Then from there saw him in latter years WCW, but then from that sort of during that time, ECW, you could sort of get, events and dvds and stuff here in the uk and tapes so i then saw him in like early 97 era ecw and such so i got to see earlier elements of his career and then you would find out all the stuff he's done way before that be it in japan wcw territories and such it's his career is quite simply incredible everything he did everywhere he went how much of an influence he was on so many people and when that news broke from my perspective tom there was that element of oh that sucks but what a career and that that was my that was my overriding feeling going into it it was really really sucky news but you couldn't help but think what an incredible career in life quite frankly well, I'm pretty much the same as you. Like, I, I came across Terry Funk when he was becoming Chainsaw Charlie in WWF at the time, WWE. Um, but I have a knack for going back and watching wrestling from the 60s or 70s, sort of before hmm. I was born, before I was... And uh, I saw some of the stuff with Ric Flair and Sting and like going back even further when he did his New Japan stuff. And, uh, I mean, there's several layers to his career. Agreed. At one point, he was one of the best wrestlers in the world. Like mm -hmm. you could compare him to Ric Flair, to Brian Danielson, modern day, like Zack Saber from New Japan. Very technically minded, and he always used to do uh, his tag team with his brother Dory Funk Jr. Mm -hmm. And they did, you know, in the territories and Mid Atlantic and the NWA. Um, and I always loved his stuff. And like in in the two thousands and two thousand and tens. He ventured to do a lot more non-mainstream stuff, a lot of indies. He did a lot of conventions. And I actually got to meet him a few times. Oh, amazing. And, um, I mean, you know, because uh, you've seen him on my social media. I put the picture of me and him up from mm -hmm. Preston City Wrestling in 2013. Um, just such a nice guy and like had time for everybody. But over the last few years, his health has been deteriorating. And you kind of, it's one of those ones where you're like, 
it's going to happen. It's going to suck. Yeah. But it's it's always it always hits you harder when you eventually find out. Um, but I absolutely loved him. I mean, all layers mm-hmm. of his career. I used to love his technical stuff that he used to do. I mean, his Chainsaw Charlie stuff with Mick Foley, whoever he was at the time. Uh, yeah, like Cactus Jack slash Mankind type thing. Like, mm. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's stuff with Road Dog and Billy Gunn at the time. Fantastic. And I mean, you know, it's one of them ones where you're like, yeah, he's getting up there in age and he's probably wrecked his body 40 times over. But it's still such a shame. And like, mm. I don't know. I was quite sad about that, to be honest. But he's, his health's not been brilliant. It's also the perspective of like just the presence of Terry Funk, just as a, as an overall entity, yes. and that's how I'm going to describe him. Because but also, it was like, oh, go on, sorry. But also, I mean, you you hear so many good stories about him, like a lot of the ECW guys, especially because Terry Funk mm. was in ECW from pretty much when it was East Coast Championship Wrestling, mm. but before it was Extreme Championship Wrestling, he was like one of their first champions, and he he kind of helped get them on the map. With like his matches with Sabu and Taz, Sandman, mm. Raven, and that kind of got the ECW on the map, that then became such an influence to this very day. And um, I again, it's very sad, but yeah, yeah, it's and you know, even going back to the ECW thing because I remember when I I think I this this kind of shows sort of my development as a wrestling fan, as it were, in some ways because. For want of a better phrase, me becoming sort of smarter to everything, as it were, it wasn't probably really until the mid-2000s where I kind of started becoming that kind of fan, if you will, or that I sort of evolved into that type of fan, we'll say. And I think evolve and evolution is a perfect way to describe Terry Funk's career. You mentioned the technical stuff. Obviously, a lot of people, can, if you just Google Terry Funk, one of the first things you'll likely see is probably the, the deathmatch stuff in Japan quite frankly, just yes. because it's so prominent. He's done so much in his career that arguably, and this is perhaps a weird parallel, but I think you'll agree to a point as well. You talk about someone like Chris Jericho, who is constantly evolving himself as a wrestling entity and persona. Terry Funk, his career is just was ever evolving. And it really was incredible, everything he accomplished. And like you say, it was always going to be so sad when again not to sound morbid about it when that news was going to break whenever it was i used to watch ecw in in england again if you're watching this anyone else uh we used to have it on bravo at 11 yep. o'clock on a saturday evening uh sometimes used to tape it on a videotape uh, and also and, uh, we were about a year behind as well so in 1998 we were seeing the early 97 stuff yeah i mean but then i mean you used to see all that stuff and you were like wow this guy's nuts and i mean he was he he at the time seemed old then, hmm. but I mean, there's one promo that Tommy Dreamer does when he's looking for a tag team partner, and I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube, where he uh, he picks up a phone and he says, "I'm going to call the Double Cross Ranch," and that is where Terry Funk was lived and owned, hmm. and uh, it, it was just perfect the, the delivery, and everyone knew what it meant, and this was before the internet. Well, and the internet was in its very very early infancy. But, like, it was just one of those moments that sort of grabbed you, pulled you in, and, like, I don't know. It was a wrestling moment, I suppose you would call it. Yeah, and either way, if you're not familiar with Terry Funk's career, just go back and watch stuff. And to add more context, when I mentioned sort of becoming smarter in the early 2000s and stuff, the mid-2000s, the the thing that actually properly elevated that status from my point of view 
was the rise and fall of ECW documentary that WWE did because it was put across in that, I think by Paul Heyman and Dreamer especially, how much he wanted to help the next generation of talent. He knew the business, quote unquote, had to carry on. There needed to be the next generation of people. So he was there wanting to help and do that. And that's exactly what he did. And from there... That's when I started learning about he'd been to Japan and done so much stuff. Not that at that time I had much access to be able to watch that stuff. And then you would find out about the early WCW stuff. and I might be able to find the odd thing here and there, like an odd tape or something. It was a lot different back then now to when compared to now to when you could just go on any streaming service, pretty much be it YouTube or an official site as it were, and just find stuff. It's, it's a, it's a true lot. It's a, a major loss in wrestling that Terry Funk has gone, but the amount of stories, the amount of interviews, the amount of, of matches and just his career that is out there readily available. It's just, it, it really is incredible. And obviously rest in peace, Terry Funk. It's a, it's a big shame, but if you're not familiar with his career, go out of your way to genuinely just experience some of it. Yeah, definitely agree. And uh, I think he's had an influence on literally everybody uh, that came from ECW, and then ECW goes past it on to the current guys. And I think like there's a little bit of Terry Funk in everybody, that mm-hmm. like that it within wrestling. Hundred yeah. percent. And uh, so from there, that happened a couple of days ago because it was after we had recorded our our last podcast when we were just doing a general AEW catch up and such, and kind of in a way previewing to a degree all in. And then late last night, and we're recording this on the morning of Friday, the 25th of August, it was at about half 11 in the evening UK time. And Triple H suddenly put out a tweet and basically announced he had had a call from from Mike Rotunda, who people perhaps would know better as IRS and WWE landscape, basically saying that um, he had been informed that Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, has at Rotundo, excuse me, had passed away unexpectedly. And it's still weird to think about that now, just saying that out loud. And again, Ian and I are going to be recording something separate, probably talking more about this, but we again wanted to acknowledge it on this podcast. It The news itself last night when I read it, I was just shell-shocked. I had to keep reading that tweet. I didn't believe it. And not to say Triple H would ever lie like that, but you know, it's just one of those things. You just you just don't expect it at all. And then when you think about everything that Bray has done as a creative entity himself and everything that he he came up with, the whole Firefly, Firefly Funhouse stuff in WWE, just the, the whole like character things, the whole persona, and just the what you imagined could have been happening later on. It's it's just a tragic, heartbreaking story, quite frankly. I, I'm still, you can probably tell because I'm sort of trying to find words. I'm still in general at a complete loss for words for this. It's a, just a heartbreaking, tragic story. Well, I'm going to be really, really honest now. Um, I haven't watched WWE in some time. Like, uh, probably the last WWE stuff I watched was 2019 when we went over. And I mean, I didn't even go to the WrestleMania uh, if you remember. The WrestleMania but, at MetLife Stadium. Yeah. Um, but I always found time to watch Bray Wyatt stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would always try and YouTube it or see if I could find the clip. Because his stuff, I mean, 
I have nothing against WWE. I just don't enjoy the product. I'm not going to sit here and bash it. Um, but I always found time to see what Bray Wyatt was doing. And I always enjoyed that because it, it was like, it was must see like what he was going to do next. And he's younger than us, me and you. Yeah, that, that's, that's what that, really hit home for me. And I mean, when I, because uh, you texted me about this last night, I because I, I had a work earlier this morning, um, I I woke up and I just read the, read your message uh, and then went on looked online, and I, I as you said, I had to read it a couple of times, and then I spent the next hour and a half going through reading all the good things about what everyone was saying about Barry Wyatt, and I mean, from what I've heard, he's he's a brilliant guy, hmm. but. I don't think, and I mean, this is just my opinion on what you can you can do with it, what you will, but like, I don't think he ever recovered from Brody Lee, Luke Harper passing away. Hmm. And and he seems to have been in bad health uh, for the last couple of years, hasn't he? Because I mean, he's been off of something since April. Yeah, I'm not sure if at the time we're recording anything has been clarified no. on that, but there had been a health issue of some kind, which... Not going to speculate when 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 that no. information is ready to come out. That's when I may or may not talk about it. But clearly, something health wise had impacted him. That that's that's very clear. I mean, yeah. I mean, and and there was talk of him coming back. I believe soon. Um, mm. I, I think I'd read he was coming back at SummerSlam again. I I, I assume he didn't. Um, but I always used to love his stuff and all the. The lights going out, him doing like the old boy gimmick from like the, the oh, that's the, the kind of thing. Like he was going out fishing and he's got his lamp and like I, I loved all that stuff. And the Wyatt family itself was just an incredible thing. Yeah. And now there's only two of them left. Oh my God. Saying it like that. Oh, I mean, mate. yeah, I know. Mate, you, you, it, it's true what you yeah. say, but it's just saying it just as plainly as that. Yeah. It's just that moment of, oh my, oh man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is one of those things that had a very short run in the grand scheme of wrestling storylines, years, whatever. But it'll be one of those things that is remembered. I mean, some of their matches with the Shield, mm. and all that that went on with them, and like you're like, that wasn't that long ago. Mm. If you really think about it, Bray Wyatt's only been on TV for the last. 13 years that's when nexus started yeah if that probably decade just a bit more yeah and then he was released for a bit for a year or 18 mm. months wasn't it so i mean he's really only had 11 and a half years to build from where he started in the nexus to where he is now mm. and i mean that's a legendary career in that many years some people don't even do it in 30 years and he will be like remembered for being unique and it's just such a shame it is. It's a. It's a massive shame, and uh, and like I said, we wanted to just take a few minutes to to acknowledge both his passing and Terry Funk's. And like I say, Ian and I are going to be doing another podcast over the weekend where we'll be talking pretty more specifically about Bray Wyatt, which is why we've given a bit more time to the Terry Funk discussion than Bray Wyatt on this podcast. So please be on the lookout for that. But do go out of your way to just look online uh, at the stories people have, like so many tributes, just so many. So many stories that just really paint a picture of Wyndham, the human being. Yeah. And I think that's and that's the key thing to take away from all of this as well. So, 
But you got. I think. I think. Sorry, just to add one more thing. Yeah, go for it. We have to understand that, like, we we love and hate all these people, and you can love and hate who you like. But at the end of the day, they're people in real life. Mm-hmm. And they've and obviously these the the two we've just mentioned have touched a lot of people through the years. So you can always tell how much someone was loved by how many tributes there on there are on, online now for mm. them too. So. Agreed. And one would assume that SmackDown tonight will likely have, at the very least, some kind of tribute, if not be a tribute show of some kind. I also really hope, I know AEW have acknowledged it on on social media and such, I hope they acknowledge it in some form on TV. I appreciate that both Rampage and Collision have been taped, but all in this Sunday at the very least. Not to use that as as an appalling segue, but one would like to think they will at the very least acknowledge Wyndham slash Bray in some form on the All In broadcast. I, I, just just before we go on to the All In stuff, I was just thinking, like, when that tweet was sent out, wouldn't that have been before Collision was taped? No, because that was last night when, when the news broke. So Yeah, but that was 6 o'clock American time. No, because Collision was also taped. It was a taped immediately after Dynamite on Wednesday. Oh, I thought they was doing it yesterday. Oh, my bad. No, it was a one-day taping for that. So, no, no, that's... Mate, they don't often do a triple taping, as it were. So, you know, it's a, it's a rare well, occurrence. Well, they didn't. They didn't take Rampage this week. Fair. Okay, well, either way, the double <laughs> taping. But uh, but I suppose from there, that is... That's probably... <laughs> there's no easy way to segue away from that, folks. No, so, there isn't. <laughs> so, as we start to move into to all-in predictions, what I will say is, if you are a first-time listener to the podcast, first of all, I'm sorry you had to come to us under such, quite frankly horrid circumstances having to talk about two great wrestlers passing but if you have at the very least found our discussion informative or to a degree have enjoyed our thoughts relating to them if you feel so inclined why not tell a friend about the podcast and if you would even want to if you want to hit the subscribe button or even leave your thoughts in the comments below as it were or if you're watching on the youtube version let us know what you thought and as mentioned ian and i will be doing another podcast talking more specifically about bray wyatt But the primary focus of this podcast today was always intended to be about AEW All-In. This Sunday at Wembley Stadium, projected to have 80,000 people or so in the building. It is going to be quite possibly the biggest single wrestling show of all time, which is freaking fantastic. From a UK perspective, it means a heck of a lot being at Wembley Stadium because SummerSlam 92 is just a cornerstone event in UK wrestling history. From outside the the UK, it's perhaps got a bit of a different connotation or perspective to it. But that show has such incredible meaning. And this show, especially after Dynamite on Wednesday, Tom, oh, invasion of a cat. (laughs) If you're you're watching, if you're listening to the audio version, Tom's cat literally just knocked over his screen, which is quite an amazing moment there. Doing the running. Is that the cat's way of saying, get on with the predictions? Is that the way, is that what the cat's trying to do? I'm assuming so. I don't know. So uh, I guess, first of all, before we sort of touch on the first match, just as an overall thought, oh, go on. I'd just like to say, and I'm not sure if I told you this yesterday or the day before, and I'm not even sure if I told you at all, but like, I've, I saw somewhere that AEW had already done 90,000 pre-buys for like, mm. watching it at, at home. That's in America, and... I think, isn't it? That that word was doing around. I, I wasn't sure, but you know, 90,000 is... Mm. Which, good, quite frankly. Freaking amazing. Yeah, 
amazing. So I suppose let's first of all talk about uh, as an overall thing. So we're going to talk about each match individually and such, so we can get more into the weeds of it. But this the, the dynamite episode on Wednesday, Tom, was amazing in terms of building to all in. That might be the single best episode of Dynamite to actually get you hyped for so many matches on a single pay-per-view show. You could very much argue there wasn't enough wrestling, but the matches we got were actually long, and I really liked that. I've seen some people say that. But as a whole, I thought what Dynamite accomplished building to this show on Sunday was freaking phenomenal. I've got I've got a few schools of thought on this. Yes, it was a great go home show before a pay per view, and like everyone's been saying, oh, they haven't built it, da 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 da. But at the same time, I mean, if they'd have left it till Wednesday and done it all then, it was you know, I mean, I watched it yesterday, and like I wanted to go to Wembley and see outside uh, mm. yesterday afternoon. I mean, glad I didn't because it was raining, but like, <laughs> um. There was just so much to that show, like that I just really wanted to get going and go. But um, there's another school of thought, which I'm, I don't know whether to leave it, do it now or while we're doing the predictions. But like, uh, I, I wasn't happy with one of the matches that got changed. Okay, well, you know what? Let's so let's start going through the cards. I think I know where you're going to go with that. So. Yeah. First of all, there is a match that's currently not advertised on the AEW website, but mini spoiler, as it were, this is seemingly set up on Collision. I don't know how because I've not looked it up, but Tony Khan did announce on AEW's own podcast, the Unrestricted podcast, that um that on the Zero Hour show, it will be Jack Perry versus Hook for the FTW title. Now, did so, you know if that segment got bumped off a of dynamite? I did notice that because I remembered there being a very specific mention that they're going to retire the FTW title and Taz's reaction being like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then they said they were going to do it on collision. So I'm assuming that stems from that. Yeah. So I think probably the reason Tony Khan's announced that on the unrestricted show is either because that was meant to be on Dynamite and so it kind of would have tied in. And or, they ran out of time. Yeah. Or because he thought maybe we should give the match more than 12 hours build. Because that's what it would effectively be from when Collision airs to All In happening. But if it's on the pre-show, I mean, it does it? It's not going to go long, I don't think, and I think it's going to be overshadowed by Max and Adam v Aussie Open. So yeah. So, so I guess either way, this match is apparently going to be on it. It wouldn't surprise me if there is another match added as well at the last minute. Maybe just something random. But uh, in terms of how mm. this match is going to go, I honestly don't really know because part of me is thinking well there's a lot of legs to jack perry just having this title and kind of being almost like hollywood jack perry which is sort of how i'm regarding him now which i think is working really well as a character development but also do you really want to beat hook twice in kind of quick succession as it were and we've not seen him since he lost the belt so i'm undecided entirely how i think this is going to go but i think for being a crowd pleaser which, as we'll get onto with a tag title match, one would assume that may not be a crowd pleaser, how that goes, ultimately. Uh, I'm going to say this will be a hook win. Not necessarily a title change, but a hook win. I think hook will win, and Mr. Monday Night will turn up and give him a hand. Oh, a little RVD appearance. 
Well, I, I think he made a good enough impression in the two shows he did mm. to get like a... And I mean, I think someone like that anyway would deserve to be on a show like that. Mm. Like, Mate, even if, just to make if I appearance. get to hear... If I get to hear Pantera's walk in a stadium, I am going to go nuts. I'm telling you that in advance because you're sitting next to me, so be prepared. I'm just going to go... <laughs> you don't punch me. <laughs> I'll just be fist flying in the air and stuff. Oh, if that oh happens, mate, I'll be so game for that. Oh, right, yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> well, look what you've done, Tom. Look what you've no, done. No, I never thought about that until just then. Damn it. <laughs> I, uh... So, of course, the the main draw for Zero Hour, as it were, is, of course, the ROH World Tag Team title match. Aussie Open defending against Adam Cole and MJF. On Dynamite, we got a bit more of a follow-up to this. There were individual segments and interviews by Rene Paquette with both Adam Cole and MJF, specifically the interviews highlighting perhaps some of the uh, the little bits of tension or perhaps little perceived cracks in the, in the building, if you will, when it came to that tag team. MJF notably being very calm about it all. Adam Cole being the one to kind of lose his rag and just walk out the interview. That was the big crux of it, leading to Aussie Open in the main event, beating the Hardys very, very quickly, it's got to be said, in the main event of Dynamite. And then... I don't know, of, they got 10 minutes. I don't know, it just, I guess by... I just sort of... I don't know why. It doesn't... What's the way to put this? It's not to say it should have been far longer, but it's just... It's kind of surreal just to see... I don't know, it's just, it just felt like a fairly quick match. It's hard I to articulate. I think you'll find something went longer than it was supposed to. Because that main event, as you say, shouldn't have been that short. But at the mm. same time, I don't see how there much, was much more they could do. 100% And fit in the yeah. bit at the end. So, I don't know. I mean, I think something went long. I think the uh, House of Black Acclaim segment went a bit longer than they were expecting it to. But I'm I mean, sure. to be fair, the Jericho Osprey segment might have done as well. But, you know... What do you mean, bruv? <laughs> we'll get to that in a few minutes. But 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 Dynamite did close with MJF and Adam Cole coming out to attack, in essence, or answer the, the, the call, if you will, of Aussie Open, who had just been on the mic. We got a little bit of action. We did not see the double clothesline happen, and we did not see the kangaroo kick happen, which, how these two things are so over, it's incredible, but it's such good fun. I am really excited to see this match. And I know we sort of talked about it a little bit on our last podcast a couple of days ago. The way I see this going down is, be it in this match or in the main event like we get to, I don't see MJF and Adam Cole winning the tag titles. And I personally reckon it's going to be MJF going heel. That's what I think. I reckon that's the way this is going to go. I, I'm totally in the opposite direction. I feel that there will be, I think they're going to win the belts. And then Adam Cole is going to do something in the main event. I don't necessarily think the title will change hands. But I can see this being an Adam Cole heel turn. Hmm. And then sending MJF the other way. Because it would just make sense the way it's been built. It might have been built to make you think what I've just said. And then go completely in a different direction. Hmm. But... I, I don't know. I think that would be kind of cool as well. The most intriguing thing about this is it's literally going to impact the main event the same night. Yeah. And that's the most intriguing element of it. And in terms of a hook in general for making you want to see the entire show and see how it's going to unfold, it's fantastic stuff. 
was was hook a pun there or uh, and in, not meant to be and if it came across that way it was a poor one but it was never meant to be it's just the word I don't that, know, that came I thought it was kind of cool to be honest okay but... fair all right in that case yes yes it was jolly good <laughs> jolly good old boy so we'll get to the main event in a few moments time but now we move on to and i'm going to go based on aew's website how they've ordered this so this may not be ultimately how the the card unfolds so i'm purely yeah, going by the aew yeah. website so the first match in theory that they're then noting, if you go in reverse order, is the coffin match. This being Darby Allen and Sting taking on Swerve Strickland and now Christian Cage. This was set up on Dynamite in... There's kind of some... It was a, to, be, to be quite frank, it was a bit awkward. And there are, there are a couple of stories going the rounds online as to why this has been changed. And you don't actually know which one... It may or may not be, so we're not going to speculate on that. But in terms of on television, the crux of it is that Swerve and AR Fox were facing Darby Allen and Nick Wayne. Nick Wayne specifically pinned AR Fox. Swerve got on the mic after and looked notably annoyed and was holding a microphone. You kind of thought, okay, something's going to occur here. And basically, AR Fox was fired from the Mogul Embassy. This led to Sting, Darby Allen, and Nick Wayne coming out to, in a, in a way, assist AR Fox, which, given a couple of weeks ago, AR Fox literally broke a, like, a glass frame over the head of Fox and left him ultra-bloodied in, in his own ring in his backyard. It's quite a thing. Yes, Tom? Uh, they broke a glass over Nick Wayne in Nick Wayne's house. What did I say? Sorry. Uh, you didn't say that. Okay, sure. But thank you for clarifying them. No worries. So this then led to the, the, the well, in fact, Brian Cage came out to help sort of do the dirt, if you will, on AR Fox. And at that point, we're starting to get this notion of, well, who are you going to team with at Wembley? And even Brian Cage was saying, who do you think? You know, it's obvious. And I'm like, okay, cool. Brian Cage in this match. That's going to be a fun dynamic. Like, I'm game with that. And then all of a sudden, Christian and Luchasaurus walk out. And I'm just like, wait, what? And this was like, if you want to talk about having a diversion on a road from Roadworks, this was the biggest diversion in the world. I didn't expect it. Ultimately, to cut a long story short, after we get some references to Nick Wayne's dad by Christian Cage, which, as kind of appalling as it as it is, it's also incredible that this is now just Christian's long-term character. Like, just from that perspective, it was quite impressive. But that's aside for one moment. This then basically led to Christian being put as a team with Swerve, which I really like purely from the perspective that Darby has effectively been involved in two different storylines between Dynamite and Collision. There's the Swerve stuff, and then there's the the um the TNT title stuff. And it's almost like a comic book event where sort of various comics come together for one big crossover event. And this is what this feels like. It just feels like a big crossover between the two shows, which in theory are separate. And I just really, really like that. And I think Christian being involved in All In makes total sense. I think that's going to be a great addition to the crowd. I am gutted, 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 gutted for AR Fox now not being on this show. Again, we, we may li likely find out at some point what ultimately led to this. Gutted for him, 
but I'm still looking very forward to this match. And we'll get onto our actual predictions in a moment. But Tom, your thoughts on on how this match changed? I know you're not particularly happy about it. Well, I'm, uh, it's not that I'm not happy. I mean, like, I think AR Fox deserves to be on All In. And mm-hmm. I mean, if it's true why he's not, then fair enough. That's understandable. But it just seems like, I think that Christian Cage went a little bit off the rails with his promo about Nick Wayne's dad and stuff. I think it was a bit too, I don't know. I think it went a bit too far. That's just my opinion, of course. Mm. But at the same time, I mean, I don't mind Christian Cage winning the match, but it'll be the second coffin match thingy that I've seen him in this year. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. What was it called that match? It was a the it was at the show you were at. I can't remember what it was called, but yeah, now you mention it, I hadn't actually put two and two together because it was a revolution, like the T-shirt you are holding up on the video version here. Yeah, but yeah, so I mean that's cool, that's fine. Like Christian Cage should be on the show, and I mean if his if his other friend turns up, great. But I doubt that will happen. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't mind. I mean, I'm just a bit uh, well, not upset, but like. I put Oda in AR Fox. I mean, he's been in, in the main bit of the storyline for the last month or so. Mm. So yeah, it, I don't mind. It's a it's it's a good way to tie Darby Allen up. Like yeah, as in both of his storylines coming together to then go forward. Mm. I mean, he's got the TNT title match all out next week. Yeah. So yeah, fair enough. But I just I don't know. I mean, if it's for some other reason, then what? It's being said, then it's a bit pants, but yeah. Yeah, and so I guess in terms of predictions, I I see this being that it will... Uh, now, in the coffin match, and I think we probably need to clarify this, is it that both members of a team need to be put inside of it? Or is it one? I'm not sure. If we go on the basis it's one, I reckon it'll be Derby putting Swerve in there. Other, because it kind of then leads into All Out next week with Christian still needing to be defeated, quote-unquote, even though it's Luchasaurus, but that aside. Uh, otherwise, I I don't see this being any other result than a Sting and Darby Allen win. Personally, I don't know. I think um, I don't see Sting and Darby winning this. Hmm. I think now, that then that then leads on. into like a bit on Dynamite or Collision or whenever that will lead into the TNT title match. But I I no, I think I'm going to say that Sting and Darby will probably lose. I'm not quite mm. sure how, but I just, you know, I, I, I get the feeling that's where they're going with that. But I, It wouldn't surprise me if there's some Luchasaurus interference, maybe some Brian Cage slash Mogul Embassy interference. Heck, let's just call it like it is, based on a lot of the scuttlebutt going around about the current status of Edge, who one would assume, were he to come to AEW, might be under the name of Adam Copeland or something similar to that. Damon Stryker. I, that, that's a name I've not but heard or heard ever was that one of his old ring names? Okay, fair. Yeah. Or Sexton Hardcastle. <laughs> oh yeah, I've heard that one before. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what if I will say this now: if Adam Copeland were to come out of Wembley and Tony Khan has got the rights to Metalingus from Alter Bridge, that stadium will come freaking unglued. Literally. Now then, you might have to lean back while I do the the rah rahing. Oh no, I'll I'll do it with you, mate. That'll be one we do together, and people all around us will have to watch out. <laughs> so the next match on the... uh, now I'm just gonna move on. You knocking someone out, like 
I know, right? <laughs> that, that, that will never happen, I promise you, Wembley Security. So the next match per the AW website, Chris Jericho v. Will Ospreay. We both gave some thoughts about this on our last podcast. And either way, we were both under the assumption of this is going to be something unique. That's kind of the way to sum it up. The segment they had on Dynamite building this match was absolutely brilliant. I mean, Will Ospreay looking the most chavvy he could ever look, which if you don't know what a chav is, folks, just Google it. You'll know soon enough. Um, But him looking the most chavvy he possibly could somehow, all the while still delivering what is probably one of the best promos of his career to not involve swear words as well, it should be said. It was just utterly phenomenal what he said. And then Chris Jericho's rebuttal to it and how it led to a bit of a pull-apart brawl between the two. This segment was pure gold. I cannot wait to see this match. I am so overly hyped for it, which I was already very curious about it. I didn't think I was going to be as hyped as I was as I am now. I cannot wait. Did you know, just just before I go, go off on this one, like uh, the producer of Judas was in one of the security guards. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> That's a fun little tidbit, that. <laughs> um, again, we both said it was going to be a unique match. Two different generations. But I feel like after Wednesday, it's kind of gone a bit nuclear. Mm. We're going to get something very special. And, like, I know this is a prediction show, but, like, at the same time... I don't really mind who wins. I just want to see what they're going to do. Yeah. So, like, I feel like Osprey will win. But I, I, there was just something about it. And again, like I said just now, I wanted to go and sit at Wembley and queue up for my seat, like, yesterday lunchtime. Mm. Because, like, it was one of them things that, like, hooked you. And you were like, right, let's go. Like, uh, let's pack a bag and go and camp. But uh, it's going to be amazing, but I don't know. I just hope it's not one of them ones that now we've got really excited about it, then it's not what it's supposed to be. Yeah, arguably now it's got a lot to live up to. A heck of a lot more than it it had before. Uh, I I don't know, but like... (sighs) I reckon Sammy Guevara is going to get involved though, because he's clearly still aligned with Jericho in some way, so... If we get some Osprey and Sammy action, I'm well up for that because I bet those two could have a killer match together. My fingers are crossed, and as I mentioned the other day, he's wrestling Shingo tomorrow at Revolution Pro at the Copper Box. Get a ticket if you haven't got one. Which, of course, Osprey even mentioned in his promo because he's doing an indie the night before. <laughs> I'm sure Quilden really appreciated that. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't he have just mentioned the name of the promotion? Um, but fingers crossed, but. Hopefully, I I don't know. It's going to be amazing, I think. And like, I'd I'd really like Osprey to win mm. because I just feel like it then elevates him. And if and if he said he's true, like his contract's up in six months, you know that could lead him to come into WWE more. I mean, he did mention a certain tattooed individual in his promo, um, so he's going to mm. come in and have a match with him. I assume at some point. Yeah, so, when that when he said that moment and just left that pause, there was that moment of, oh, mate. <laughs> oh, bruv. <laughs> yeah, good grief, bruv. But, like, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd like Osprey to win, to be honest. 
Yeah. It, it, so, sort of going back to from a personal point of view here, I went to Forbidden Door. I I wanted to see Omega and Osprey live, and I was just there for, to be in the moment. But in that environment, I really wanted Osprey to win, just being in the moment. But because of the amount of, quite frankly, very drunk and rowdy Canadians around me, I thought I better keep quiet on that. With this, I just I want Osprey to win. I just think what? the way this has been built now, Osprey needs to win this match. But at the same I, time, if he doesn't, do you think it sets um sets up something for him at all out the week after? Maybe, or given that they've now both mentioned that this match was meant to happen at the Tokyo Dome, maybe this is the Tokyo Dome match for a, for a championship if Osprey is still champion. Oh, what the UK champion? Yeah, whatever it's called now, the US slash UK, or as Yota Suji apparently called it online, he wants to rename it like the, the EU championship, to which Osprey's reaction was like, bruv, have you not heard of Brexit? <laughs> <laughs> but at that time, but yeah, I'm going with an Osprey win. And uh, also, I hope they actually play the correct theme as well, like his Elevate song, because that in a stadium is going to sound phenomenal. Did you not see his tweet? Yeah, he, he politely called out the AEW production department. <laughs> I'm not picking, bruv, but... <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah. as well, credit to Osprey. He managed to sound the most overtly chavvy British while being completely clear to understand as well. It was a phenomenal promo. Yeah, well done to him, because I struggle with that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, next up, again, per the AEW website, Trio's okay. match. It is going to be Kanosuke Takeshita and the Bullet Club Gold duo of Juice Robinson and Jay White against the Golden Elite trio of Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, and Kota Ibushi. Now, we'll, we'll come back to referencing this as well when it comes to the tag title match, but this was basically escalated in the opening segment of the show when there was meant to be a tag match, and it just never happened. Because... It was just a massive pull-apart brawl oh, effectively yeah. around ringside to begin the show. I forgot and that. And again, I'm ultra-hyped for this. I can't wait to see some Omega and, and the Takeshita interaction in the ring. I'm going to be honest, though. I can't wait to see Ibushi. I think after the Blood and Guts match where, you know, let's be fair, he didn't look stellar, but that's because this was his first proper match back, excluding WrestleMania weekend, in who, who knows how long. I reckon he is going to be well up for this. And I cannot wait to see Ibushi, in, let alone in a stadium. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm just drawing a total blanket, it's my first time I'm ever going to see him in the ring live. And I'm just so excited. Have I drawn the, the biggest massive blank, Tom, or what? Right. So I'll tell this story. In fact, no, it isn't. I saw a freaking G1 supercard in New York, didn't I? It was the match against Naito. Holy crap. Right, there's there's an inside joke here. <laughs> like we was in a car going somewhere other like I think it was March, wasn't it, when we was going over a pro, and I I was like I have never seen Koabushi live, and like I was adamant, and then Jeremy said, "Yes, you have. We saw him at Madison Square Garden in 2019," <laughs> and I was like, "No, we haven't." And then I came and checked the DVD cover, and we had, and I was wrong. And now Jeremy's done exactly the same thing. I've just basically flipped it around now <laughs> completely. That's just how this rolls, folks. But you know what? It's been so long since I've seen Ibushi. It almost feels like I haven't seen him in the ring, as daft as that sounds. Either way, this trios match is going to be such good fun. 
Bullet Club Gold are amazing. Takeshita is amazing. Everyone involved is amazing. But in terms of a prediction for how this is going to go, I think Takeshita is going to pin Omega. I think it goes that way somehow. Mm. I think like the the Hill team is winning. Mm. Um, but I don't will know, Don I mean, Callis he's... will Don Callis be involved? Because one assumes he's going to be involved in the Jericho match, which, based on the ordering on the website, if it, this is if this were to be the actual match order, would be the match before it. Uh, then probably not. Is it? It's going to mm. be one in between or something. But uh, I just want to see everyone interact in that match. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got a bit of Takeshita and Kota in the blood and guts a few weeks ago. And Jay White and Kenny, we've talked about that. But I don't know, Juice Robinson's just nuts. So like, good. He reminds me of a Men in Black baddie from like one or two. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but if you watch him do like the guns entrance where they do the spinny round camera thing, mm. he looks like one of them bad guys with the beard, the glasses and the white mm. lights. I don't know why. But I absolutely love it. So, yeah, again, it's one of the ones where we're going to pack the bag and go and sleep outside Wembley till Sunday. I can't wait. But it's I do think so good. Bullet, I think it's going to be Takeshita and Bullet Club to pick up the victory, which Agreed. then obviously uh, can go many ways, but I think it leads to Kenny and Takeshita, doesn't it? Yeah, if anything, that might be a match that then gets escalated to All Out, maybe. Like the yes. next week, then it's like Omega and Takeshita. That might be a fair assumption to make. Yes, I agree. But I, I, again, can't wait. I mean, I was going to say this to you the other day. Like, as it's such a big show and it's like, you know, could be potentially one of the biggest shows ever done. Do you think there'll be like... Spe- I mean, we know Jericho's coming out to Judas Live. Do you think there'll be any other, like, people have, like, gear made or, like, special I've, music? It, it wouldn't surprise me if there is some, if there is a, some special presentation for people, be it in their entrance, be it how they look, of which, by the way, just saying this now, if you can hear loud noise, there's an airplane in the background. That's partly for both you and those listening. I might be able to do it in post-production. Ignore that. But I reckon... I reckon there will definitely be some special presentation elements to the show, be it how entrances look, be it uh, the ring gear that people are wearing. Like, we'll get on to the next match, where one would assume one person's going to be looking a little bit different based on Dynamite. But either way... In terms of, like, the Golden Elite coming out together, I don't know, I really wanted to hear Omega's music. It's so cool. His, like, his sort of, like, video gaming music, I want to hear it, but it's going to be so good. I can't wait. It's going to be so good. I just keep saying that. Let's move on to the next match. So, per the website, AEW World Trios Championship match. It is going to be the House of Black defending against, I'll call it the reunited acclaimed, because well, formerly now Daddy Ass, I guess, Billy Gum, came out to the ring on Dynamite after the House of Black started attacking the acclaimed, because they came out and said, get your asses out here, we need to have a fight. And Billy Gum basically said, I've been watching you, but don't like you guys, but I made the hardest decision of my life to walk out on these two, my sons, and then I had to watch you two attack my sons, but the moment you did that and also put my boots like in a trash compactor or whatever it was, you made the wrong decision. So you're not getting daddy ass. You're getting badass Billy Gum. <laughs> Which I immediately thought I was not expecting that as a direction, but sure. 
Well, I was kind of like, I wonder if he owns the copyright to that. Um, <laughs> I know, right? There was that element of it as well. But um, oh, I loved, I loved it. I loved the whole. But again, it was one of them segments. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the House of Black. I absolutely love all three. And when Billy Gunn's music, well, it was the Acclaim's music, I suppose, hit. It was, I don't know, you got that feeling of like, yes, here we go. Like, hmm. And the fact he's going to be Billy Gunn, I mean, he's probably not going to come out to his WWE music that he used in the early 2000s. Can you imagine a... if Tony Khan somehow wrangled that? <laughs> yeah, we'll trade you this for that. Um, <laughs> that would be amazing. But I don't know. Again, it's one of those matches where like, I saw the Elite feed the House of Black. At Revolution. At, and uh, it was a very, like, it was probably the best match on the card, or Adam Page and Moxley, but again, not to sidetrack. But um, I really enjoyed that match, and I just, everything that the House of Black do is cool, and the acclaimed are, like, coming on leaps and bounds from where they were two, three years ago. And I, I'm just hoping the acclaimed win, because the roof is going to come off that place. But it's one of the matches, again, where I'd, like, be like, I don't mind either way. Mm. Yeah. So, look, this, so my take on it is this. I don't see any other result than the acclaimed winning, because why would you build it up to this point? It seems such a logical thing. And even Bowen's saying we're going to have the, the biggest scissor party ever at Wembley. It's like, it basically writes itself that the acclaimed are probably going to win these these titles. That said, I there's so much more you can do with the House of Black and these trios titles. Their matches have been utterly phenomenal. They have been phenomenal. And I just feel there's so much more you could do with them. And you could really build up this trios division even more. But it's just it's just at a point where I think I don't see any other result than the acclaimed winning. Not that that's a bad thing. I just am gutted it for the House of Black yeah, if that is the case. But that potentially could lead to any two of them challenging for the tag titles, which I think would be mm. cool. I mean, Brody and Tommy, sorry, Malachi Black, mm. they team on the indies. They're the PWG tag team champions. They, you know, they've been a tag team for a while. Hmm. And, or you could see Buddy Matthews going for the TNT title, the international title. Yep. And like any mixture of like, they could do the free bird rule. If you don't know what that is, you're going to have to Google it because I ain't explaining it. But <laughs> that could work as well with them. But I could see like Buddy and Brody teaming. And Tommy Gunn, uh, Malachi Black going off for the TNT <laughs> or the international. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with that. Yeah, so context, folks. We saw him wrestle for so many years as Tommy End, be it on the Indies and elsewhere. Sometimes it's just it's very difficult just to say the correct name of someone. And so that's what's happening there. So Tommy End is Malachi Black for context. Continue. Yeah, yeah but so my point is, like, they could go off and do anything, something else. But I see your point, like they could carry this trios run on for a couple of months, but you kind of got a look as to where they would lose it. I mean, LFI might be a thing. They're coming back now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After Punk. what is it? Drillistico and, um, and press advance were like kidnapped and shoved into a van by Jose, the assistant. That was a random thing, but that happened in Mexico oh, city as well. Yeah. And I mean, I'm assuming they're coming back to help Andrade eventually. I'm not and sure. And Roosh as well. He'll be involved. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's several ways you could go with all of it, but I, I yeah, I can, I can't see any other thing other than the acclaimed winning. Either way, though, 
when the acclaimed come out, whatever Max Caster says as a rap, it's going to be a moment. He's going to say something, and what's it going to be? <laughs> what overtly British thing can he say that literally would have the entire stadium just go, oh! Yeah. Well, think about that, because there could yeah, be several but... things you could use. But Exactly right. So next up per the AEW website, Stadium Stampede. It is going to be slightly changed from what it was going to be advertised as, as we alluded to on the last podcast. It is the Best Friends Trio. So Chuck, Trent, and Orange Cassidy, Eddie Kingston, and Penta. No Phoenix. We'll get onto that. Versus the Blackpool Combat Club trio of Moxley, Claudio, and Wheeler Utah. And the returning proud and powerful tag team, Santana, Mike Santana, sorry, they did make sure to say that, and Ortiz. Now, Tom, you called it, you said it on the last podcast that you reckon that this was probably a good thing. And I remember my initial reaction being, okay, that could work. And I wasn't entirely sure, but that was also on the idea, in hindsight, that they were going to come out as like the mystery revealed partners. And I still would have been excited, but I just thought, ah, oh, you could probably do a bit more with that. And what they did, I freaking loved on Dynamite. They brought them out and they immediately reminded me there was that beef between Ortiz and Eddie Kingston that was going on. And it's like, oh, I genuinely forgotten about that. That makes sense. Santana, who they are now definitely referring to as Mike Santana, which I think is a nice little addition there on the namesake. Obviously aligned with Ortiz, going to have a probably a bit of beef with Eddie by default because of what happened with Ortiz as well. Uh, yeah, with Ortiz as well, excuse me. But also just, he's got, you know, he's been out for over a year. He wants to prove himself. There's a lot going on here. I loved their reintroduction on Dynamite. The reason Phoenix has been eliminated is because he was taken out by the Blackpool Combat Club with a crowbar shot to the neck, which we didn't see in real time because there was too much going on, but they did show a replay of. Good, good job, AEW throwing the shade because it happens quite regularly but i still love the promotion that's just the way it is so it is now a five on five stadium stampede match tom your thoughts going into this match and what occurred on dynamite first of all did anyone see john moxley skipping to the ring <laughs> like good god on a bike what is up with that man he was skipping he's, he's having cool. the time of his life cool. mate yeah boy that's cool Secondly, also, his match with Phoenix on Dynamite was so damn good. Well, it was going to be, wasn't it? The promo afterwards with Renee, did you see what your husband did? With Eddie backstage, that promo yeah. it was such a good moment. Eddie Kingston, and I've probably said this before, is the best storyteller going in any promotion anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. I will argue with you for five million years until the sun blows up. Eddie Kingston, is the, just he was on screen for like what, 30 seconds with that promo? Yeah. And probably got more people in the seats than anything else on that show. Like... Yeah, because what was the line he said? Uh, it was something like... He said to... What was it he said to Renee? Because Renee had the microphone in his face. Like, no, get that microphone out of my face. Like, did you see what your husband did? And she puts the microphone back up and goes, oh, you want me to sort this? I'll tell you what. I'll sort it at Wembley. Mox, see you there. And it's like, perfect. That's yeah. all you need. That's all you need. Simple. You don't need to go around the houses. You don't need to take a diversion via the M25. <laughs> straight to the point, straight there, done. Amazing. Overall, as we said on Wednesday, kind of knew it was going to be Santana and Ortiz, kind of figured that out, kind of was mm. already told. Um, Hashtag Tom was right. 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen that often. Ask any woman I've ever dated. Um, but at the same time, like, I think it's a great addition because mm. you have to you have to look back at what they've done in AEW. Um, they have done the the car park match with best friends that links back in with them, and I just think it's a perfect fit for the overall match. I mean, it's a shame that Phoenix is out. It's especially given how good that match was with Moxley as well. That's in a way what's more gutting about it. I, I think that's why we got that match. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Doesn't change but, about it. it's kind of it's still a little bit sucky for us sounding a bit selfish now, as it were. Yeah, of course. But we're bound to. But I mean, if you took look at it in the grand scheme of things and what else we're getting, I mean mm. it's it's a minor blip on a big radar. So completely agree. Yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna be fantastic. Um I just, I don't know how they're going to keep up with it, but as long as you can see the the pin for at the end or whatever, or mm. we see all the big moments again, it's one of those things like, eh? and it's going to be nuts. But ultimately, which team is going to win? Part of me thinks that given this is the first match, I mean, unless they're involved on Rampage and Collision, which I don't know, I've not looked them up. Unless they're wrestling on either of those shows, who? At Santana and Ortiz. Well, they're not. I, they're not on Rampage. Okay, because said that was taped last week. Okay, so well, I don't. I don't know if they're on off. Collision or not. But if this is their first, in fact, you know what? I'm going to derail. I'll do an edit. Hang on. Let me look up what's advertised for Collision. So I've just checked around. I can't see Santana and Ortiz being involved in a match on Collision, but I did avoid looking at spoilers specifically. So for all I know, maybe. But. On the assumption this is their actual first match back, I reckon that the Blackpool Combat Club team with Santana Ortiz is going to win this. That would make more logical sense, I think. Mm. And it then leads to like building several storylines out of the match. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'm inclined to agree, but... It's going to be amazing. So, I, again, it's one of the matches where I'm not really fussed on the result. I'm more like... But something that you said to me, though, I can't remember if it was on air or off or off air, as it were, but it is a little bit weird that the international title is not being defended on international soil on their first international show, excluding Canada. Yeah, well... It would have made logical sense for them to have an international mm. title match. But, as you've just said... One might get made on collision. Who knows? Who knows? Because I think he is also defending the title on Rampage against Aaron Solo. So, which one assumes, which could call it like it is, I'm assuming he doesn't lose that. <laughs> no, I would assume not. I, I assume that would have done the rounds if that if that has happened. Let's put it that way. I, yes, I would assume we'd already know that, wouldn't we? Yeah. Especially if it was taped last week. There you go. Next up, real world championship match. It is Samoa Joe challenging the champion, I guess technically the linear world champion, however you want to phrase it, CM Punk. We wax lyrical about how excited we both were for this on the last podcast. One would assume there's going to be more furthering to the, to the match at All Out on Collision, so we don't exactly know what's going to occur with that. Either way, still super excited about this. This will probably end up being like one of our shorter conversations when it comes to the match being on the show. It's going to be such a wonderful spectacle in general. I don't see Punk losing the belt because I think there is a very logical direction to go in when it comes to his championship 
and the actual AEW Championship? I I uh I have several trains of thought on this. Um and and as we've been planning to do this for a while, I had been thinking about it, but I'm not I'm not 100% sure how they go about it, but I see Joe winning. Hmm. But not necessarily the belt. Okay, so so a disputed finish of some kind, like a DQ I mean, or similar. I, I mean, mean, a DQ on a stadium show, though. <sighs> Risky. Doesn't necessarily mean to be a DQ, though, does it? 60-minute <laughs> time limit draw. Let's go back to oh, 2004. No, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I just get the feeling like they're going to put Joe over in this match. Hmm. I don't know why. To get, like, revenge because he lost in the Owen Hart tournament. Hmm. But, again... I don't know. There's not really much I can say about this match because I just want to see it. It's just, as I said to you the other day, it's a privilege to get to see yeah. these two in this match with the history that goes with it. Um, but I think Joe wins. But, yeah. Again, I'm just happy to see the match. Whether who exactly. wins or not is uh, another thing altogether. Exactly. And, of course, what's the reaction of Punk going to be? We will find out in the, in the heat of the moment, quite literally. Well, I'm cheering, so I don't know about you. <laughs> I mean, I've, I'll decide on the day. Like, I, I'm, I'm just going to be happy to see him wrestle Joe, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, does it? As long mm. as we get the match and it doesn't bang. Exactly. exactly. I, I, honestly, I'd probably cheer for Joe just over Punk in general, not regardless of anything else, as it were. But, um, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to the match, especially. It's going to be such good fun. Next up, AEW Women's World Championship match four-way. It is Hikaru Shida defending against Soraya, Tony Storm, and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Now, you alluded on the prediction uh, on the, the, the other podcast, a preview show, if you will, Tom, about how you feel this is going to go. I've already done my and, bit on this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, quite frankly, just DMD. That's what you said. I am still undecided. I want Shida to retain because I don't want her title reign to basically just be a few weeks. And I think given how she was the champion during the lockdown era, as it were, and she didn't really get to experience being champion in front of fans, let alone 80,000 fans, potentially. I really want Shida to win this. I just, I think it'd be such a fun, feel good story. But like we were alluding to, Britt Baker makes a lot makes a lot of sense. There's a logical reason for Tony Storm to win the belt back, but obviously the show is in England, biggest show ever. You've got Soraya. There's also that element as well when it comes to her career and getting back to the top of the mountain, if you will. There are so many directions you could logically go with this, but like I say, I want Hikaru Shida to win this match, but part of me just sees it being Soraya. It just really that's the way I see it. I want Britt Baker to win this, but as you've said, it's in England. I mean, <sighs> Soraya doesn't wrestle much, though. Mm. I mean, if you look in the grand scheme of things, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, but in the grand scheme of things, the way Shida has been defending the belt nearly every week, is Soraya going to do the same thing? Mm. Like, it would be nice to have the women's title defended every week, the CVS title defended every week. But they seem to... If they're going to put it on Soraya, it's going to become... It will be popular, but, like, will they 
still emphasise it as much if she's not going to wrestle as much. Hmm. I mean, could they do like an MJF thing where she is just the champion and only wrestles on like the pay per view or once a month or what? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't yeah. want it to sort of fall by the wayside. Yeah, and also, like I said on our last podcast, I really hope Jamie Hater at least comes out with Britt Baker, and we get to hear her music in some way. Perhaps she might do a run-in with the old music. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess it just depends how her shoulder, because it's her shoulder, isn't it, that was injured, I think it was? I believe so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess it just depends how the shoulder is, but either way, I, I think of all, pretty much of all the matches on the show, sounds like the whole MJF Adam Cole thing, arguably. I think this is one of the matches in particular that is really difficult to call an answer on this women's four-way match. I think it's got the most, I can't figure out which way it's going to go because you can see it from all directions why you would go that way. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Agreed. Completely. Like, it's good to go into a match and be like, well, I'd... and I believe that with a lot of the matches on this card, it could go, I mean, four ways in this instance, but like, two ways in the rest of the matches like it's one of them ones where you're not sure what's going to happen and that's Mm. probably the best it could be then we come to the aew world tag team championship match it is ftr defending against the young bucks we got a bit of physical interaction as it were between the two teams at the beginning of dynamite when during the mass brawl that we mentioned for the trios match involving the the golden elite and bullet club gold FTR came out to help out the Bucks, so there was a little bit of sort of helping out there, but in a backstage segment later on, it was clear it was kind of more, it, it wasn't as a favour to you guys. Effectively, it was FTR politely saying, we did it to make sure this match was going to happen. Like, we're not we're not helping you because we want to type thing. And the interview went in an interesting direction in terms of the stuff that was said. Ultimately... When it comes to who, in theory, is the face and heel, to me, the Young Bucks came across as heelish. Just the way they were saying stuff, like, when we retire, everyone's going to remember us and like and remember our legacy and, you know, and everything they mentioned. And then kind of just saying, what are they going to remember you for? The fact that we named your team on our YouTube show. And I was just like, oh, bit of a dig. I mean, not wrong, but at the same time, that's a pretty heely thing to do. So It got a bit snicky at the end of that bloody... Promo though, mm. didn't it? And I yeah. mean, I mean, uh, and again, it's one of the ones where you sort of want to look behind the curtain and like, hmm, who's supposed to say what? Yeah, and you're, and you're like, did they sort of agree that? But well, for again, once, a better phrase, was there a script in essence, or did it go not off necessarily script? A script? But was there certain things agreed on that they could yeah. say? And like, I don't know, but it was again must watch TV, as yeah. you said at the beginning of this show. Everything on that show built well for Sunday. Mm-hmm. And this, again, made you was like, right, pack a bag. We're going to watch FDR, the Young Bucks 3. It's going to be so good. I just, again, and I said mm-hmm. this the other day, I just mm-hmm. hope that the matches that need the time get the time. The matches that don't need to go too long don't go too long. And it's just... Um, just... Yeah. You, you want it all to come together so spectacularly. In terms of how this match is going to go, I, admittedly, I can't remember exactly what I said the other day on the, on the, on the preview poll at this point, but I, I'm very undecided how I think this is going to go. I think this could go either way for a variety of reasons. In terms of who I'm going to cheer on the day, based on that promo on Wednesday, 
I'm more inclined to cheer for FTR. Like, if I was basing it on that alone, that's what I would be thinking. But in many ways, I also kind of don't see a reason why the Bucks won't win this. This is... I mentioned one of the matches on the show when it came to the women's four-way about being you, you can see all logical reasons for it going the way it would. Given that the Young Bucks very clearly in recent times made... Well, try it again. Given that when it came to the Bucks coming back and like trio stuff being done with, if you will, they made it very clear they're focusing again on tag team wrestling. And to me, that just said, okay, so you, you guys are going to become the champions again. And then you're going to like carry the tag division for a while and do stuff with that. But again, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm undecided as to how I think this will go on the day. I think I want FTR to win this match. I may change my mind in the heat of the moment, completely in the building. I think I want FTR to win, but part of me just thinks the Bucks are winning this. Um, it's good you, you've you've eat that out because I I've been thinking about it while you've been speaking. <laughs> I, like, I, I have I have my uses, Tom. I have my uses. <laughs> no, I mean it helps. I mean sometimes, like with things, like you need to hear what somebody else is going to do. Sorry, just to quickly, just to quickly uh, in, in, interrupt so you can finish your point as well. I think another crucial detail, which somehow I've not neglected to mention, what I've neglected to mention, is there's obviously the other story behind the scenes surrounding this match involving Cash Wheeler, which could play a significant impact in the result. But carry on. See, again, you've brought that up, so that makes me think. But at the same time, I think FTR will retain. Mm. For the pure fact that, like, the Young Bucks can go and have matches with anybody not necessarily needing the belts and i'm not saying ftr do either but i think ftr having the belt is a bigger deal than the bucks having them a third time hmm. where whereas there are some teams in AEW, a i.e butcher and blade uh you know the hardys aussie open i know they're the roh tag, tag, tag champs but there's there's just other teams that deserve the belts before the Young Bucks deserve a third reign. And I, I just go with the fact that, like, yes, there is the stuff with Cash Wheeler. Okay, that might play, in, play in a role. I just get the feeling that FTR will retain. And as for cheering either or, I've always been a Young Bucks fan. I, I've always been an FTR fan, so I'm going to cheer everybody. Yeah, fair. Absolutely yeah. fair. I'll just join in on everything. <laughs> As I'm sure most people will in fairness. I think I think that's the only way, like, instead of just sitting on your hands and not cheering for either, I think like just to get involved and you know. Mm. Then we come to the main event of the show. AEW World Championship. MJF defends against Adam Cole. As we talked about with the ROH tag title match on the Zero Hour show before the pay-per-view itself chances are however that match ends is going to greatly impact how we are going to be going into the match on the day so it's very difficult to call this but i am going with mjf retaining having aligned himself with the kingdom not necessarily with roderick strong but I think that would be an intriguing element if Strong ultimately lines up with MJF given everything that's happened. But that's what I'm going to go with. A heel MJF aligning with the kingdom 
and possibly Roddy being a reason why he retains. Possibly leading to Kyle O'Reilly coming out if he's all right and cleared and such to help Adam Cole. Um... Again, there's, there's, I've thrown a lot there, Tom. Sorry. <laughs> no, there's. I mean, there's several ways you can go with this. That exactly the what you've said. I and and I kind of alluded that to that the other day, um, but also, I mean, I can see Adam Cole going heel mm. and joining up with the Kingdom and Roderick Strong, but I just don't see Adam Cole heel, and I don't think I think the way Max has been over the last couple of months, especially since he's been doing this stuff with Adam Cole, mm. I don't see him going to be heel now. I think he's cheered too much. Oh, so you think MJF, for want of a better phrase, is almost stuck as a baby face for a while? Not stuck as such, but I mean, it would be silly to come away from that so quick. Mm. Unless they go by the fact that Adam Cole stabs him in the back and he goes into a, you know... He's he's yeah. our scumbag, and then he just becomes an absolute scumbag. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't see Adam Cole winning the title, but I do see Adam Cole turning heel. Okay. So I don't know how you do that, but <laughs> either way, it's going to be in terms of the intrigue level for the main event. It's fascinating, and because it all stems on what's going to happen on the pre-show as well. That's going to be such a big impact on the show as a whole. And that's why I'm so excited about it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's a shame we can't do one midway through the show. Um, I mean, we could <laughs> potentially, but, you know, it would just depend on phone signal. <laughs> <laughs> Live predictions. Um, no, I see MJF retaining. I think, though he has had the belt, correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, since full gear last year. Is that right? He beat Moxley after Regal gave him the nuts, right? Yeah, it's a full gear. Hmm. Hmm. Well, no, he's had the belt a while. Hmm. I just don't see Adam Cole as the next champion, to be quite honest. I think there's so many more... Oh, I don't know. Then thinking about it, like, I do see more... There's other people that deserve it more than Adam Cole before Adam... And I'm not saying Adam Cole doesn't. I just see other people having it before he does. Hmm. But, yeah. So, to go back to a point I made a few minutes ago, I think the next logical direction, or a long-term direction, is CM Punk and MJF for the title, to unify them. Because yes. there is the, the the whole disputed thing with Punk being the, the real world champion, and that Max never beat him for the belt. It's a logical thing, given what clearly was meant to happen after All Out last year. It was going to be the next logical direction, and it's not happened. And I think that, from a, from a storytelling point of view, that is the most logical direction you could go in. But obviously, one will assume, and in fact, we didn't actually even mention this, that perhaps in the Joe and Punk match, maybe Ricky Starks is going to get involved as well, leading to those two having a match at, at All Out the following week. More likely, a, a strap match, because of what's happened in recent weeks with uh, Ricky Steamboat. I know, I agree. I mean, I can see CM Punk coming out at the end of the show and holding mm. up his belt, and whoever's got the title holding up their belt mm. but does does that do we get a unification match all out i mean that seems it's only a weak turnaround on that again i think it's more likely that we may get starks and punk all out yeah no i i see your point on the ricky stark stuff i don't i'm not actually sure if he's actually come over 
Hmm, interesting. Well, he, he, he is technically suspended from in-ring competition. Yeah, this is true. So, and Big Bill's not on the card. We didn't think about this, and I've just thought of it now. And I appreciate now everything's going out of order, but I don't care. What if, because they, they kind of changed the storyline of Ricky Starks' suspension and that he's also now got a manager's license. Yeah. What if, for the Punk Joe match, he is technically in the corner of Samoa Joe? Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not going to necessarily change my prediction now. Yeah, I'm just no, throwing I wouldn't it out like there. that. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that. But either way, all in is going I don't to think be. Samoa Joe needs manager. That's my point. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. More, more than agree with that. But either way, all in is going to be an utterly fantastic experience. We are going to be there in person. We're going to be recording a sort of as quick as we can once we get back to our hotel and stuff like post-show review, as it were. Also early next week, I know that Ian wants to record some kind of review of the show as well. So we may do one a couple of days after the fact. So once the dust has settled a little bit, perhaps I had a chance to watch back some stuff. There will be another review in essence, looking back at the show. We're going to try and do some kind of video log throughout the day. I'm going to try and just film some bits here and there and put something together after the fact for the YouTube channel as well. So be on the lookout for that. But either way, folks, again, as I mentioned, once we got into the show and into the predictions proper, if you've been a first-time watcher and or listener to the podcast, we hope you enjoyed it. If you did, why not tell a friend? And if you feel so inclined, be it on your audio podcast provider of choice or on YouTube, why not hit that subscribe button? And if you've got any particular predictions that you would like to impart, you can put them in the comments below, or why not find us on social media at Bunkermania UK on Twitter. Tom, before we go, any final closing thoughts ahead of All In this weekend? Or anything else going on around All In weekend in general? Well, I was just going to say this. Like, if you are watching this on a Friday, uh, there's Riot Cabaret in Clapham at the uh, Clapham Grand this evening, Friday night. Tomorrow there's Defy, uh, who have come over from Seattle to run a show at the Electric Ballroom in Camden. There's also Progress, um at the Electric Ballroom in Camden, which starts at 4. Defy starts at lunchtime at 12. We're going to Revolution Pro Wrestling at the Copper Box. Um, that's going to be a great show. With The main event is Shingo and Will Ospreay, but there's also Trent Seven. Um, Michael Oku facing Michael right? Oku, yeah. So it's, it's going to be a big card, and it's in a big arena, so try and get that thing filled. And then there's Choco Pro v Pro Wrestling Eve tomorrow as well. I'm not quite sure where that is. That's on the Saturday, again. right, you mean? Yep, tomorrow. And then Sunday, of course, there's the little show at Wembley that we've been talking about for the last couple of days. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be a few people. So if you want to pop along, pop along as well. Just get the numbers up a little. And um, I just <laughs> they, need, they, has... they need the help. Yeah, I mean, they haven't got much. It's a t-shirt company, remember? So <laughs> I hope everyone has a nice weekend, safe weekend. If you see us in person, say hello to Jeremy. Just ignore me. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> folks, thank you very much for listening and or watching. From myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, Tom Limbury, we'll see you this weekend in London and more specifically at Wembley Stadium. Until then, talk soon. <laughs>